Spark to Your Success podcast is a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of insight and bringing you a little bit of positivity into your day. And today I have a guest uh, with me here on the sofa. His name is Darren and Darren's going to share with you his experience uh, in life. Darren found out that he was adopted when he was five years old and um, even though he'll tell you himself that he had the most wonderful loving parents, uh, that thought of why me, why was I given away, Am I was I not good enough, had a massive impact on his life. And so I'll let you hear Darren's story. I'll come back and wrap up at the end. Uh, enjoy the conversation and the lessons that it brings. My story has probably been a lifelong story up until a few years ago. Um, I'm sitting here now at the age of 52 in a couple of weeks and um, unfortunately 21 years ago um, I probably had never reached this age because I woke up one Sunday afternoon and my wife was sitting at the side of the bed um, with that look of real, um, you know, hurt and pain. Um, reason being, I, I was lying in an hospital bed having three days before tried to commit suicide because I'd got to the point after battling for years and years um, with depression and listening to the little demon voice in me had of having no worth. But the, the thing is, I can never really put my finger on the point of what caused that. Um, I had a brilliant upbringing, you know, I was never abused as a child, I had, I had friends that I used to go out play with, loving family and so on. But for some reason, from as early as I could remember, I had that feeling of not being loved, nobody wanting me, nobody uh, caring about me, whether I was here or not. The only one thing I could put it down to, which was probably wrong, is that from, from birth I was adopted. Um, I was adopted to, to my mum and dad, who, like I say, gave me a brilliant upbringing, been loving parents and so on. But I, I think the little voices that I used to battle with constantly on a day-to-day -day basis were the little voices that every time I wanted to try to do something, it was like, Darren, what are you doing? What are you doing this for? You know, you're no good. Nobody cares about you. Um, nobody's bothered about what you've got to say or what you've got to do. Um, so just shut up and, and sit down, basically. Mm. Uh, and and that, that was the voices. And even little uh, silly things where people would make a comment about a jumper I was wearing or, or a shirt and, you know, they'd make a, a silly comment to them that they thought was a joke because it was the wrong colour. They didn't realise the effect that had on me. As soon as that comment came out, it was a fact that I'd never wear that item of clothing again. And, and that little voice was there saying, oh, I told you so, nobody cares about you, you know, you, you're stupid, this, that and the other. Um, you need to just go out the way, really, and keep out the way. Um, that went on all the way through childhood. I had no issues at school, I was never bullied, um, you know, I, I had my network of friends, I played football for the school, so I was included, but for some reason, my little friend that was sitting on my shoulder, the yeah. little demon, um, saw it a different way, but I used to listen to, to that voice because I thought that voice was my friend and I thought that voice was, was um, telling me the truth. 
It's um, interesting that you say you weren't bullied, but nah. actually you were bullying yourself. Well, I was bullying myself. All the time, yeah, probably yeah. worse than anybody else could have bullied you. Definitely. I, I, I was obviously seeing things totally different than other people. Were, and it's not since um, I've got older that I've realised that, you know, when I was at school, I became prefect. You know, so the teachers saw something in me, yes. although I I didn't feel as I got anything to offer. Um, and like I say, even though I was outside, you know, playing football with the lads and all that, as soon as the ball went and I went into the classroom, the first thing I tried to do was find the, the seat right at the back of the class um, so nobody was sitting behind me. And the reason for that is I had this... Um, sense of feeling that if ever anybody was laughing or I'd walk into a room and somebody was laughing and talking, I always just thought they were laughing at me. Right. Um, you know, probably filled with self-importance now. You know, <laughs> probably, um, but that was that was what I got, you know. And again, I'll keep referring back to this little demon mm. uh, friend. That, that little demon was saying, you know, they're laughing at you and this, that and the other. And I, and I, I was taking all that in, I was listening. It basically ended up getting worse and worse because as, as I got into my teens and so on, my friends would be saying, Darren, you're coming out play, you know, you're coming out uh, have a game of football, a game of cricket. And, but I got to a point where I thought, well, they're only asking me to be polite. They don't really want me there. Um, so I started saying no. Mm. Um, and I started spending a lot of time on my own. I used to, you know, I used to go home, go up to my room. And, and the one thing that I always found to um, Saving was was drawing. Uh, you know, I love drawing and still do. And I took that on to go to to Lee Court College as well after I left school to study graphic design and television yeah. animation. Uh, and it, it was a passion of mine. And it's what I wanted to do. Um, I got this dream of going, you know, going down to London and doing graphic design, yes. television animation, uh, and that was the course I, I'd started going on. The problem was, um, at the time, again, I was being told by myself, you know, you're not good enough, um, you know, why are you thinking of going to London, this, that and the other, you know, you're ridiculous, you just need to, to take a good look at yourself, you, nobody's interested in you. So what I started doing, uh, not on a daily basis, but on a very regular basis, instead of going to college, I was leaving my mum and dad's house in the morning, and basically going to sit in the park. I started sitting like for like eight hours, just sitting in this uh, sheltered area on, on a concrete floor. And I started noticing when it was raining, the sound of the rain on the roof was probably the only time I ever felt uh, at peace, yeah. just just listening to the rain. Um, and it was, it was really strange, you know, for somebody to say they're sitting in the freezing cold for <laughs> yeah. seven, eight hours just listening to the rain. But it, I felt peaceful there. Mm. You know, nobody was marvelling, no, as I thought. Nobody was marvelling me. Nobody was telling me I wasn't worthy, this, that, and the other. That little voice had disappeared off somewhere else at the time. And I started having thoughts about, well, you know, if this is what not living is about, this peace... You know, I'd like, you know, I, I think it's not too bad. I had them thoughts for a long time, and I, I quit college. Uh, I didn't last the 12 months I quit because I just didn't think it was worth carrying mm -hmm. on, uh, which probably, looking back now, you know, was probably one of the mistakes I, I made in the early stages. I should have persisted and yeah. carried on. 
course, looking back now, I, I know I'd have been good enough to succeed. Benefit um, in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is, yeah. And I, I think as you get older, you, you, you tend to look back more on life and, and realise that the things that were massive importance at the time probably weren't that important, mm. actually. Um, you know, but unfortunately, that's life lessons. As you, yeah. as you get older, you learn from that. I left art college. Uh, I started with my first job, which was in an ice cream dairy. And that was when I got my first management role, really. I, I was made a supervisor in charge of 15, 15 men and women. Um, and looking back now, I wasn't managing them. They were managing me. So, <laughs> you know, the women had me wrapped around the little thing. Um, and uh, after about two years, I left there and went for a timber company where I stayed for 18 years. And again, I started off as a labourer, I became a, a charge hand and then a supervisor, I ran the night shift for, for eight years. And then just going on courses, I gradually started going into to senior management level, um, up to being the health and safety manager. But even over them years, I still had this little voice saying, you know, just go back to labouring, you, you can't do you can't do management, you know, you're not managing the people and so on. They 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 just let you pretend that you're managing them. And that's what cultivated um, the idea I had going back to the uh, the Sunday afternoon, which I started the story with. I've got my wife, I've got a little girl who was seven, I've got my parents, my, my, my brothers and sisters. Mm. But my thought process wasn't about them. It was about basically getting rid of the pain I had. Yes. The thought of how they felt never entered my mind because my little friend on me on my shoulder mm. was telling me he wouldn't care anyway. Right. Um, first thing I did actually was go go to the pub and, and just add about five, six, seven pints, whatever it was. Yeah. Which people that know me all know that's way too much because I'm one of these people that I have a pint and that's it. I'm, yes. I, that's it me for me the night. Uh, and the reason I did that, I don't know why. I don't know if it was Dutch courage to to basically go off and, and do what I was going to do. Mm. Um, and then, like I say, went off into quiet corner and basically got um, got a two litre bottle of water and just started taking the tablets. Um, and that was the last I remember until, as I said, I woke up on that Sunday in the hospital and, and Diane, my wife, was uh, basically at the side of the bed looking at me. Um, but I will admit that was the turning point in my life. Mm. Um, that was the first time I ever knew what love meant because right up to that point, I spent all my life asking myself, what is love? What does yeah. love mean? Yeah. You know, what's the meaning of love? I don't understand what love is. And that was the point, the turning point where I thought, yeah, I know what love is now and I know somebody does care. Um, and the other turning point really is that I also, for the first time, realised what effect it had on other people, like my wife, like my mum and dad, my brothers and sisters. The only uh, blessing I would say is that because my daughter was only seven, she was protected from that. Yes. She was told. She, she was told that you know, dad isn't very well. He's yes. in hospital, but he'll be out soon. So she she never knew what went on. Yeah. You know, because the thought of putting her through that it of it even more, I yeah. suppose. That was the beginning of a long road to where I am now. The first thing I had to do is basically take a bit of time out. You know, I, I was uh, seeing a psychiatrist and they were going through my childhood and that. And as I said at the beginning, 
couldn't really pinpoint it down to one no. thing. But personally, I put it down to, for some reason, the fact I was adopted. Yes. Um, and, and again, I don't understand why, because um, you look back and you think, well, my mum and dad and my mum and dad. I think that was the point I, I realised what love was. And I probably realised that, you know, the issues I had, all the questions, all the battles were relating around the adoption. Yeah. So it was a long process. Started, as I said, had a couple of sessions with psychiatrists and so on. Um, I spent a few months just drinking barley water and um, soup because yes. one of the biggest problems with taking tablets that people don't realise is the, the the damage it does to your stomach lining yes. and everything else. So because of the damage I had done, um, I couldn't uh, consume um, hot drinks or or basically it's solid food yeah. so it was basically soup and barley wow. barley water for a long time just to basically recover the lining in my stomach mm. so over time um you know i got back into work um so on with, with the employers as well they were brilliant um and understood so i got back into work and carried on working and basically slipping in and out of thinking yeah you know, I need to move on. I need to. I need to do the best I can to that little voice keep coming back saying, "Darren, you know, you didn't do that right." So, you know, what makes you think you're going to do anything else right? You know, you couldn't even kill yourself. Relentless. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and that's that's what it was like. You know, so it had it had something else to keep digging away at mm. me with. You know, and and it was odd. It, it's you know, I I feel sorry for anybody who goes through that because. You know, it's not just being fed up. It's not just being miserable. You know, life life is life, and we all have bad days. We all have good days. Yeah. You know, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's at college. You know, some days somebody will give you a bad day, whether it's your boss or your partner. But that's life. Yeah. As soon as we have the bad day, we'll have a good day to counter that. But depression is re relentless. It's constantly day after day after day. If, if in my in my case, the little demon telling me this, that, and the other, and like I say, even telling me I failed and try and kill myself. So, you know, what makes you think you can achieve anything? Yes. But what happened is because at that time then I knew I got supportive people who loved me, that helped me to battle that. And I started basically answering you back and saying, no, you're wrong, you know, I can achieve it and I know I'll achieve what I want to achieve. So... That carried on, and this is really the key message I want to get to, across to people as well, that one, nothing in life is worth killing yourself for because life has a wonderful way of you achieving what you want to achieve. You know, if you set your mind to something, you will achieve probably even way outside your dreams. I will explain that. In 2006, I left where, where I worked before, having spent 18 years there. And I started with the consultancy company I'm working with now. And um, I started October the 2nd. And in March 2007, I was thinking of quitting. Again, that little voice kept saying, Darren, what are you doing? You're outside your comfort zone. Yeah. You don't really know what you're doing. Clients are asking you for advice. You know, are you sure you're giving them the correct mm. advice and that? And I started doubting myself, thought, you know, have I put myself outside my mm. comfort zone? So in the March, um, 
I'd actually been up to Manchester to see a client and as I came out of the meeting, I'd got a parking ticket. Um, so I rung Diane and I said to her, I said, Diane, I said, I've made the decision. I can't do this job. I said, I, I, you know, I can't provide the, the level of support the clients expect. And, you know, I've had a parking ticket. I'm fed up of traveling around the country. This, that, you know, and, yeah. and all them thoughts that this little voice had been up. telling me but yeah. basically came out over the phone. And she was great. She said, Darren, you know, I think you can do it. Uh, she says, I know you can do it. Uh, she says, but, you know, I'll stand by you. We'll get over this. I went back to the office. I thought, right, I'm going, I'm going to have my notice. Then. And um, and as soon as I got back to the office, the, the two directors at the time, um, Brian and Vicky, said, when you've taken your coat off and that, and they, can, they were having a meeting with you, so I thought, oh, brilliant. So I haven't got on my notice and they're going to finish me anyway. <laughs> they're going to uh, me anyway. Yeah. So I thought, that's great. They're going to do my job for me. Yeah, I, I don't have to ask to tell them I'm leaving. And sat me down in the meeting and basically said, uh, we won't make you the director. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Completely so the opposite. Um, obviously, that took me back a bit and it was a bit of a shock. And, and the reason they mentioned that is that because obviously I'd only been with them since on October, but they saw something in me that that me and me and my friend on my shoulder didn't. They'd had feedback from clients about how, how you know, friendly I was, mm. approachable I was, how knowledgeable I was. Because it basically was a, a, a bolt out of the blue, I couldn't make that decision. Um, I said, look, I need time to talk about it. Yeah. And I spent a few days talking to Diane about it and so on. And she said, well, you know, they must see something in you that, that you don't. So, yes. so I, I actually took that on. And then not so long after that, I started joining Business Network International, BNI, mm. um, you know, to get to know business people and obviously look at potential new clients and yes. so on. Uh, and again, that was a brilliant, uh, probably one of the best decisions I've made, and I'm still in BNI for 18 years later, because I started mixing with business people yeah. and senior managers. And, and what I started noticing, that no matter what... Um, problems they had you know and some of them had lost businesses and started again but every single one of them had a positive mind and, and that started rubbing off and i thought well if i if i surround myself with these people then hopefully that'll rub off on me yes. and it did over time and then um vicky was the md at the time she she had me in the office and said uh you know you've started doing the networking uh, you're becoming the face of the company and so on so i'd like you to take on the managing director role um, and that was in 2000 and back into 2007. I didn't take it on because, again, I didn't feel as if it was me. I didn't yes. feel as if I could do it. Um, and then it, I was offered it again about six months after that, which I did. So I've been managing director for 11 years Fantastic. now. So we've grown the business from five clients to we're up to 98 return yes, clients is, now. Yes. And we're employing seven people. So... So where my mindset has changed is, and I think some of it's down to life learning, getting older as well, that you do realise that you have got to work. I did a talk on this a few days ago and the message I was saying to them that never ever feel that you're on your own. There's somebody or something that always loves you, whether it's your parents, yeah. whether it's your, your brothers and sisters, your siblings, your, your husbands, your wife, your children. You know, and even if you think, well, I haven't got a family, you know, your pet dog, your pet cat, you yes. know, there's nothing better than going into an house and, and your dog walking or your cat. Yeah. So there's always somebody or something 
that does want you to succeed and be there. And, and sometimes it might be an admirer from a distance that mm -hmm. you don't even know about. Yes. You know, you, you might not even be aware of it, but there's somebody who, you know, if you do something silly like I try to do, you don't know what impact you're having on, on their life. Yeah. So I've moved on now. Um, yeah, I do have good days, I do have bad days, but it's very, very little bad days. There's more good days. And I've, I've trained my mindset to the point that if I do start feeling low, I'll put myself in a positive situation. Yes. I'll give somebody a call and have a chat and say, do you want a coffee? Mm. Not not for asking for support, but just take myself out of that situation where I know I can have a yeah. good chat with somebody and, and just take so my important. mind off it. Yeah, and this is kind of the theme that has been running through quite a few of the podcasts yeah. now. Uh, the theme that's been running through my mind it's like we retreat into this inner voice in our head yeah. thinking that that's the safe place and it's the dangerous place Definitely. the safe place is connection is protection Definitely. connecting yep. with somebody even if it is just have a chat maybe not yep. about how you're feeling but just to feel yeah, just it. general chit chat yeah that's all it takes alone. that's all it yeah. takes you know don't get me wrong I've been driving to, to meetings in the car you know and all of a sudden started crying for no reason, yeah. you know, couldn't explain why. Mm. But over the time, I don't have that little voice now, you know, that little that little voice went a long time ago. Um, and the thing that keeps me going now is that I know I'm loved. I know if I set my mind to anything, I can do it. Because yes. uh, on reflection, uh, if, I, if I knew when I was 16 what I know now, yeah. um, I'd probably not gone through all this because Little things that happened when I was 16, you look back now and you think, well, you were silly even worrying about that. Right. It, just, it seems it so big at the yeah, time. Yeah, it, so, like, it was so, what? you know, what, does it matter if somebody doesn't like what colour shirt you got? So what, that's their problem, not my problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. but at that age, you, I suppose you try to make people happy, you might mm. try to impress and what, whatever. But the key thing that keeps me going now, as I said, and I'll, I'll wrap up here, that yeah, I know I'm loved. Uh, I know I've got good business uh, partners. Yes. I know I've got good business colleagues and, and acquaintances. I know I've got people I can ring up and speak to. Uh, and I, I know I'm not listening to the negative sides now, I'm listening to the positives. Mm. Um, and I always just think back to uh, one thing I didn't realise up until probably not so long ago, actually, that the effect that my uh, attempt at suicide had on my wife, and, and we've been married 30 years next year, and I used to think that when she was asking me what time I was coming home from work, you know, before I did what I did, and even after, that mm. I was having a go, as you know, mm. once to mm. where I am all the right. time. Uh, but I've realised now that since that Sunday... She started saying, like, what time are you doing from work and so on. And then I also started noticing that one minute after that time I was due back from work, she'd be on the phone, yeah. is everything okay, yeah. you okay? And I just think, well, what, you know, what, what are you worried about? I'm at work. But I realise now it's because of the worry I put her on it, you know, and obviously at the back of her mind is thinking, hope he hasn't done anything mm -hmm. silly. Now, again, like I say, because over you know a good number of years thankfully i, I you know I, i've turned the corner i've not had that mindset um it, it's she's reassuring now um although she still does ask me what time i'm coming in from work occasionally <laughs> so, um 
So yeah, hopefully that message is out um, in some way because, as I said, you know, it's not about being bullied at school. It's not about being abused. Mm. You know, people that have got fantastic lives can suffer. Yeah. Um, but the key thing to to realise every time is that you're not on your own. So some powerful messages there from Darren on my sofa today. I love the thoughts that you can argue back with your 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 voice inside the little demon. I love that he t- chose to take co- do combat with it, and now it's hardly ever there anymore. So please do take that message on board. And it doesn't matter where your life began or where you've got to now. The the point is. You are valued, you are loved, and you are more than good enough in this world. Start to look for the evidence of that. If you are somebody who sees good in somebody, you see them do something amazing, you know that they have these amazing attributes, please do tell them. Maybe that's the evidence that they need to open up that spark inside to start the positive conversation and the argument back against that little demon. So please do make sure that you don't just think it, you go and tell them so that they know. And let's start to build that uh, shining the light on our positive strengths because the more you do that the more you'll find them you look for the evidence you will find it both ways and also if you know that somebody is not quite themselves right now and you've asked already are they fine and they've said yes maybe be a bit more persistent like Darren was and just check in a few times who knows it might be the third or fourth time that they need in order to know that you actually care and to open up to you so you've been listening to me tj dow with my guest darren on the spark to your success podcast if you have any thoughts comments questions then please do contact us hop over to backontrackteens.com onto the blog page and uh, put your thoughts questions comments there if you need to speak to somebody in a little bit more of a confidential uh, nature then please do uh, Email us through the website or contact me personally. That's TJ, T-A-A, just can't spell my name, T-E-E-J-A-Y at backontrackteens.com and I will personally answer you. So let me wish you a wonderful, amazing and bright week ahead. Bye for now. See you soon.